Thank you, brother, in leading us in those songs. What a delight and honor it is to be assembled together on this Wednesday evening with uh, this many folks here. I felt like one preacher said one time, if I'd known there's going to be this many people, I'd have studied today. And uh, his wife said, I wish you'd study all the time. And so I, I've learned not to say that. But it is an honor to be able to do this. I hope you've enjoyed this as much as I have. Uh, I, I will say this is not a su subject that I really like to deal with, but uh, I feel like it's so needed. Uh, this past weekend, Becky and I were able to be at the Salina Church, and we did a family seminar called Home Improvement, and we liked that a whole lot better. As a matter of fact, uh, she spoke three times and I spoke four times. She talked to the ladies, I talked to the men. And it's kind of interesting because uh, I said uh, we were working up our lessons and she is a very good student of the Bible. Uh, studies all the time, does a lot of ladies' days and retreats and she's going to be doing one this weekend. But anyway, I said I'll compare my notes with your notes because I want to make sure we get these men how much they appreciate their wives. And uh, so she did all of her lessons, and she had about that many stacks of pages. I said, those poor sisters, I said, they are really in for a treat this weekend. But I tell you, brethren, I, I really like talking about the home and the family, and I, I, I believe that's something that we could all benefit from. Let's have good, godly, strong homes. So important. I enjoy talking to those men, and I'm, I'm just going to do this kind of because I, I think it's interesting uh, is I looked at, are there any real men? You know what we look at as real men? We look at a man that can lift weights above his head and run so many miles. I tell you what God's idea of a real man is, to be a leader in that home. That's God's idea of a real man. The second lesson that I did, are there any real husbands? Boy, I'm going to tell you, if you've got a wife, you let her know that she is the most precious possession that you have because she's yours. Love her. Tell her you love her. Show it every day. Don't do like I've done many, many times. Stand there at the casket and watch a, a man uh, have to bury his wife and said, I wish I could tell her one more time I loved her. And then the third lesson I did, are there any real fathers? Well, that's something we need in the home today, real fathers. And my last lesson that I really, really enjoyed preaching, are there any real families? I believe we've got real families right here at Pippin. I really do. My wife and I left yesterday afternoon, or on last night, going home, and she said, you know, I believe that Pippin is a good church. Brethren, you've got uh, a great congregation. You're a lot of love, a lot of kindness. I believe that uh, you've got people here that love one another. That's the basis of our faith. That's the basis of building a good, strong church is build it on love. I believe you've got good elders, sound elders. I believe you've got a good, faithful preacher. Uh, if you don't if you don't appreciate Randy, uh, he is what I call a little gentle giant. First time I heard Randy preach, he's you know real meek, and he got up and, and his you probably don't remember this, but his notes fell off, and he didn't need them anyway. Man, he preached just a powerful lesson, and I really appreciated his stand for the truth. What we need is brethren that's preaching the truth in love, Ephesians 4:15, being kind, gentle, and not radical. Brethren, that's so needed in our brotherhood today. Now, for our lesson tonight, Deuteronomy 18. I want you to turn your Bibles. I alluded to this passage last night. Deuteronomy 18, verse 15. And 
You better hurry, I'll be gone. The Lord thy God will raise up unto thee a prophet from the midst of thee, of thy brethren, liken unto me, unto him you shall hearken. Now notice what Moses says. The Lord God will raise up a prophet. The question tonight is, is that prophet Mohammed or is it Jesus? Now, look at verse number 16. According to all that thou hast desired of the Lord thy God in Horeb in the day of uh, the assembly, saying, Let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God, neither let me see this great fire any more that I die not. Look at verse 18. He says, I will raise them up a prophet from among the brethren like unto thee, and will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak unto them all that I shall command him. I've had some of my lessons, especially in the Alabama area, they put on the, the Internet. And I get these emails that's, because I'm, I'm using Deuteronomy 18 uh, that is a prophecy that there's going to one, come one greater in the new law, uh, greater than Moses. And that would be the Christ. And I'll show you that and we'll develop that a little bit more tonight. And I get these emails that says, you don't understand Bible history. You don't have a correct understanding that that's not Jesus at all, that that was Mohammed. That Mohammed and the religion of Islam it supersedes that of Christianity. It's a lot older because Ishmael is older than Isaac and older than Christianity. Well, the question tonight is, as we look behind this veil, are we talking about Christianity in the Bible, or are we looking at what some folks would say is a, a religion that is God's select people upon this earth? And I'm here to suggest to you, friends, that we really need to open our, our eyes. I got a phone call today in uh, Kentucky where they're going to, uh, several congregations are going to get together, and they're going to have a, an Islam seminar, and not in a church building. They're going to do it in a school or in a community center, and they're going to ask the whole community to come, and they're going to have a question and answer, and then they're going to invite the local college to come over and have a question and answer session. And maybe you have two or three speakers. They ask if I would be interested in doing something like that. And I'm, I'm telling you, that's what's going to educate our folks. That's what's going to educate our communities because this thing of Islam is one of the fastest growing religion in the world. I said this on Monday evening that it is projected, they say, by they're going to grow in the next 20 to 25 years. They're going to grow 30 to 35%. I hope that's wrong. In the United States alone, there are nearly 80% of the 1,200 mosques that are, that's in America has been built in the last 12 years. I know for a fact that there is an Islamic, uh, they call it an Islamic youth center, going to be a future mosque here in Cookville. Now, what do we do about all that? We, we have freedom, and we need to have freedom. But let me tell you something. I want you to know, and I want to know enough to be able to teach them and to educate ourselves that when we get an opportunity to teach, I'm not going to shoot at them. I'm going to try to teach them the Word of God. I want them to go to heaven. So, so important. Now, I'm going to just, I gave two quotes here, and we'll look at the lesson. Look in, uh, in the Koran, Surah 8, chapter 8, verse 12. I will cast terror into the hearts of those that disbelieve, and therefore strike off their heads and strike off every fingertip of them. Allah. Now, listen to what Jesus said. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Friends, if you were going to choose, and you didn't know anything else about uh, their belief, 
You didn't know anything else about what they had done. And that is the position of those two men. Which one would you think would be more encouraging and enticing? Well, I believe that Jesus Christ hit the nail on the head. That we are to love thy neighbor as thyself. That is the basis of our faith. Now, notice Jesus or Mohammed. Who is the greater? Who's more important? Well, I'm going to take the Bible like I did last night, and that's the reason I've never presented these lessons that I'm doing this week in the format that I'm doing other than this one. I did it at all good about three weeks ago, and I've changed and, and made some uh, alterations to it. But most of the time, I don't do it in a gospel meeting setting. And I didn't know how the response would be, but obviously there are people interested in this subject this week. But I want you to notice what we're going to look at. Jesus' name means God is Savior. Emmanuel, God with us as Savior. Matthew 1, verse 23. Matthew chapter 1 and verse 21. God will be with us. Jesus Christ was God, and I talked about that last night. I'm not going to go into a lot of detail tonight about it. But what I do want to emphasize is the very name of Jesus is God is with us. Emmanuel. Now, notice what Mohammed's name means. He's the praised one. You know who Jesus is praising by the very name of Jesus? He's praising his Father. He's praising God. Mohammed is seeking praise by his very name upon himself. Now, look at what the text says. In Isaiah 7 and 14, this virgin would conceive and bring forth a son. His name would be called Jesus or Emmanuel, God be with us. He would have no earthly father. Conceived of the Holy Spirit, Matthew 1, 21. Now isn't that interesting? Never happened before, never will happen again. It is beyond human imagination. They laugh at that very idea. And I talked about this last evening. When you take the Quran and you take the Word of God, the Bible, and you start comparing them together, there are so many contradictions and inconsistency in the Quran. But when you look at the Word of God, the Bible, it is absolute truth. Here is a good example of that. Look at this one. He was born of uh, Ammonon in 570 A.D. in Mecca. The very origin of Muhammad is entirely different than that of the Christ, the Son of God. Friends, they're not even, there's not even close in comparison of where they came from, their origin, not even comparison on what they did on this earth. And I'll show you in the end, uh, there's another comparison that, that I think is very important. Notice he attracted multitudes. Jesus Christ, been gone 2,000 years, but did you know that he is still known all over the world? He hasn't died. His popularity hasn't even died out. He attracted multitudes and multitudes by affirming of God through the Old Testament that Jesus was one that had authority. You remember that great sermon on the mount? When he come to the climax of that sermon, the last two verses in Matthew chapter 7 says, He taught them as one having authority and that not of like the scribes or not as the scribes. Jesus' teaching was different than anyone they'd ever heard. He was the Christ, the master teacher. He's been put on trial by the modernists, by the skeptics, by the agnostics. 
by the postmodernism teachers of the day. And friends, he stood the test. He's still the Christ. He's still the Son of Almighty God. You know how he attracted multitudes? And I've gone through that this week in the Koran, some of the things, the verses that they slay those that believe not, the unbelievers. But notice what, how they do it. They are against multiple gods. So am I. They, uh, during the time that Mohammed was born, there was a lot of confusion, as I have already alluded to in the last lesson. But what he did with good intentions, he has gone so far uh, because of the visions and the dreams and all that that he was supposed to have received, and he thought it was all to be done by the sword. Friends, our teaching, if we're going to get people to heaven, it's not going to be by the sword. It's going to be by the teaching of the Word of God, educating people. John 6, 44 and 45, you know how God draws people into Him? Those that hear and are taught of Him shall be drawn to the Father. But let's notice, I'm going to speed up just a tad. Miracles and healings were given freely. Luke 6, 36 says, And all those that were maimed and those that were sick, they were brought to Jesus and He healed them all. You know, the only miracle that, we, that uh, is said about the Koran was the way it came into being. That was in a cave. His wife said, you know, you've got these visions, dream. I think he was just having a dream if he's honest in what he was doing. He's just having a dream or a nightmare. It's definitely a nightmare tonight. It was a dream then. I've had some of those dreams seem real. Then his wife said, no, those dreams came from God. Oh, okay, they came from God. And you know... This is just one of uh, the many books, but this Koran here, he, he would say, was what he received in the cave many, many, many years ago. You know what Jesus did? Jesus proved that he was the Christ, the Son of God, by his actions, uh, his origin, and then his destination. And we'll look at that in just a moment. Notice also, was never married or lusted for a woman. Now, I did this one place, and a man came up and said, I don't know if you can say that. Well, my friends, if Jesus Christ lusted in his heart after another woman, and he committed sin, and the Bible says in Hebrews 2, 9, that uh, in Hebrews 4, 15, he was tempted in all points, yet without sin. I know for a fact that our Lord did not commit a sin. Is it sinful to lust after a woman? Absolutely it is. Look at this. He was married at least 15, had at least 15 wives, bless his heart, and one of which was only nine years old. Could you imagine that? Actually got married at six, consummated the marriage at the age of nine. We would call that a pedophile or be in jail today. This is a man that is supposed to be greater than Jesus the Christ, the Son of Almighty God. In the eyes of 23% of the world's population today, 1.5 billion people say that Mohammed is greater than the Christ, the, the Son of God. That makes me sick at my stomach. Because I'm going to tell you, friends, I've already you know, talked about in an introduction on Monday night, uh, Islam, how violent they are, what they're doing not only across the globe but right here in our own uh, nation, and it's going to get worse. 
We've got political leaders that they've got their heads buried in the sand. We've got religious leaders that's got their head buried in the sand. And I think it's time to educate ourselves and to know exactly what their agenda is when they become the majority. They're going into our prisons and they're converting folks. And yet, this is all done in the name of Mohammed, the great prophet that's supposed to be greater than Jesus Christ, who never committed a sin. Jesus didn't. And look at what all this man has done. Not only that. You know, Jesus lived a, a sinless life. He never once committed sin. He never had to pray for forgiveness. You know, when you became... You got to the age of accountability and you became a Christian. There's never been a day in your life that you shouldn't have at least had a penitent prayer on your lips or on your mind. I have to pray every day. Romans 3.10, there's none righteous, no, not one. Absolutely not. Brethren, we, the Apostle Paul said, I have to buffet my body daily lest I be a castaway or a stumbling block to others. We need to pray for forgiveness. The best we can do, we're still sinners. That's just the way it is. Only by the grace of Almighty God, our faith in Him, and walking in the light, 1 John 1, 7 through 9, can we be His children. And Jesus never had to pray for forgiveness. He was a sinner like all men. To try to make a comparison to the Christ, to Mohammed, a man on this earth, is disgusting. That would be like you. Or like me saying, oh, you know what? You put me up here and you right beside Jesus and I'm greater than Jesus. I don't know who the man is. doesn't really matter who the man is. No one will ever match up to who the Christ is. Aren't you glad? Without a doubt. Not only that, notice he waged no war. You know, if Jesus Christ came to this earth and he was a warrior, he was just like every other man, he was a military leader, like a lot of the premillennialist things going to happen one day, absolutely foreign to what the Bible says, but if he came to this earth just like all other men, leading battles, leading wars, killing people, and telling people what they need to do, and not necessarily leading by example, I don't know if I would really appreciate it as much. I appreciate what Jesus did. Jesus said in John 18, verse 36, My kingdom is not of this world. Put up, put up your sword. I don't fight by the sword. Those that live by the sword will die by the sword. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't have the right. Somebody asked me after I got through the night, do you have the right to uh, protect yourself and your family? Why, of course you do. There's, that's pretty obvious in the Scriptures. But friends, that's a far cry from what you read right here that Mohammed did. Look at how many wars. Look at how many battles that he led. 66 battles to spread the message of monotheism. That is one God. I asked a fellow on an airplane one time. We were way over and uh, getting ready to land in, uh, in Jordan. And he was a Muslim. And he and I had, had a pretty good talk. And I said, is it true that Muhammad was a leader? Yes, he was a good leader. And I said, is it true that he was a warrior? Oh, he was a great warrior. Have you never read all of the characters in the Bible where that, uh, they led in war and they conquered armies and conquered countries? He said, yes, he was a great warrior. And I said, what was his objective in leading those 66 battles? He said, how did you know he had 60? I said, I think I read that. Is that not right? He said, actually, 68. I said, well, I missed two. 68 battles. 
I said, what was his objective? Oh, he was uh, wanting people to follow God. You'll never find where God had people killed to follow him. Nowhere. Now, did God's people, did, were there leaders that went in and conquered countries that were pagans and because they were mistreating God's people? Yes. But it was not primarily for the purpose to make those people become followers of Jesus. God doesn't operate that way. Friends, look at that. Wage no war, fought no... You never see that Jesus ever harmed a person when they came up and they, they smote him on the face. They put a crown of thorns on his head. You are the Christ, thou sayest. He opened up not his mouth. I, I, what I want to do tonight is not just inform you about Mohammed, but I want to exalt Jesus. We need to exalt, exalt Jesus the Christ. That's what Paul did, did he not? Did he not say in 1 Corinthians 1.18, For the preaching of the cross is foolishness to them that perish, but to us that are saved it is the power of God? Did he not say in 2 Corinthians 2.2, 2, I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Therefore, when you look at the cross, you look at what our Lord went through, Mohammed comes way short of being a spiritual prophet. You know, Jesus established a religion of truth, mercy, love, even for His enemies. And he invites all men to do the same thing. You know what he said in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 44, 43, 44? Pray for those that despitefully use you, persecute you and say all manner of evil falsely for my name. That, that's hard for me to do. You, you may be more spiritual than me, but I, somebody mistreats me and mean to me and, and talks about me, and it's hard for me to just go, you know, go up and say, hey, that's all right, don't worry about it. You know, just be friends. I struggle with that. It's easy to love those that love you, but you know that's what Christianity, why Christianity is different. Christianity does not hold grudges. Christianity, if you're a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, you've got to let it go. You've got to get rid of it. As a matter of fact, in Ephesians 4 verse 31, he said to get rid of all that clamor and evil speaking and bitterness and all of that. Then he said in verse 32, but be ye kind, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Friends, that is, in a nutshell, what Jesus' religion was based on. It was based upon truth, mercy, and love, and forgiveness. He established a monotheistic uh, uh, belief system that all must obey the teachings of the Koran. I showed you last night, Keith Ellison, that uh, I, got a, I got a message today, a private message on Facebook that said, yes, when uh, Keith Ellison was uh, sworn in to the U.S. Senate, uh, that uh, yes, he did do it on the Koran, but now there was the Bible under the Koran. I said that last evening. The person that, that sent me the, uh, that comment wasn't here. I asked, they were, but I said, there's no doubt about it. The first person in the history of our country that anyone has been sworn in using the Koran. I believe that that's poor, poor judgment with our government. Not only that, he established a religion with God. You know, Luke 2.52, he grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with both God and man. He knew that he was going to be the ruler. Jesus was ruler. Matter of fact, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 24, Then shall come the end, when he shall deliver the kingdom back to the Father. 
Friends, Jesus will never set foot on this earth again. Did you hear that? Jesus will never set foot on this earth again. When He comes again in the clouds, we're going to meet Him according to 1 Thessalonians 4 verses 13 through the remainder of that chapter and we're going to meet Him in the clouds and He's going to deliver the kingdom, the church, back to the Father. Then comes the end. He established a relationship. He established a religion of Allah being compassionate and merciful to the obedient. If you, if you are a Muslim, you don't have to worry about another Muslim harming you. They're, they're brothers. And so they won't harm each other. I meant to say this last night. Two years ago, the Indian brethren, Brother Ratnam said, Brother Jack said, we have a lot of Muslims around. said, and you, when you come over in November, maybe we could do some lessons on Islam and we could hand them out and maybe get some folks to come. And he said, you think that's a good idea? Brother, I'm all for it. And so... Uh, I did all, I sent all my lessons and uh, when I sent all the lessons over John Ratnam said, brother, you're only going to stay two weeks, not two months. We can't use all. I said, we'll just choose what you want to use, put it, and we put it in a book. And did you know that we could not hand those out in some of the villages? Brother Ratnam and them got threatening phone calls. There was three of my, uh, of the books, the lectureship books that were actually set fire uh, outside the church building. And what I'm saying, brethren, is that I don't, I'm not, I don't want to be unkind and unloving. But what I'm saying to us is that this is totally different than the way that our Lord acted. He died by crucifixion in a place uh, of others in Jerusalem at the age of 33, being innocent of any crime whatsoever. He who knew no sin became sin that we might be made the righteousness of God. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse number 21. <coughs> Never committed a sin and they crucified him. He died in Medina. And if you went and you looked in the grave, he'd still be there. But Jesus arose from the dead just like he said he would in John 2 and verse number 19. You remember? When he said, you destroy the temple and I'll build it back in three days. They said, how in the world could you do that? I think he said it took 46 years to build this temple and you're going to build it back in three days? They thought the physical, the physical temple in Jerusalem. He's talking about the body. And friends, Jesus Christ stayed in the grave for three days and he arose. Hallelujah. He arose from the grave. What makes Jesus different than any religious leader? This is because he said he was going to do that and he did exactly what he said he would do. Mohammed is still in the grave if there's anything left of him. That's important to me and that's important to every Christian because we are the first fruits from the dead. Just like Jesus died, he's the first fruits of the dead. We're going to come forth. Remember John 5, 28 and 29, marvel not at this. For the hour is coming when all that are in the grave shall come forth. They that have done good in the resurrection of life and they that have done good or evil into the resurrection of damnation. Every person is going to come forth just like Jesus did, just like he said he would, and just like we will. Now, the reason that Christians are Bible believers were peacemakers because we know the Prince of Peace. And that's exactly what the Bible 
And that's what Jesus is. He is the Prince of Peace. His love gave us a choice to choose. He did not any, want anyone to perish in their sins. 2 Peter 3, 9. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Friends, I don't... I had a Koran on the airplane. And I pulled it out of my little pouch. And he said, oh, you should not have that. He said, only Muslims should have the Koran. And he said, uh, you don't understand. He said, this is a very sacred religion. I said, the difference between your religion and my religion is that Jesus warned me about your religion. In Matthew 7 and verse 15, you beware of false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ravening wolves. Did Jesus not say in Matthew 7, 15 that there was going to come a time in the future that men would attempt to deceive people? Absolutely he did. That's exactly what Paul told uh, Timothy also. Preach the word, be instant and in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when men will have itching ears, not heaping upon themselves uh, teachers, having itching ears. By the way, did uh, John not say, test the spirits to see whether they be of God? You see, brethren, the fact of it is, I can prove my religion from God's holy book that it's been tested, tried, and proven. This right here, I, don't, I wouldn't go out here and burn it out of respect because I wouldn't want them to do that to the Bible like Terry Jones did in Dearborn, Michigan that I have a video on. I had a video. I've got a video that you would not believe. I had a man send it, uh, send it to me. It was about a 15-minute video of what happened in Dearborn, Michigan. The Muslims were about ready to kill that man. He was burning the Koran, but the language that they used, the signs, even the policemen, they called the policemen in, and Terry Jones kept saying, arrest that man, arrest that man. They're threatening to kill me. And the policeman looked at him, got in his car, and left. He's a Muslim, too. We don't act like that, brethren. We don't, that's not the what we're about. Just like Jesus, you know how he dealt with people in a very gentle way. No wonder the Bible says he was meek and lowly in heart. Even though I disagree, someone knocks on my door, and, and I've heard folks tell me, someone knock on my door, I'll set them straight and put them on the road. I don't think you should do that. If you don't know enough about uh, to teach them, start studying. That's a soul. Be gentle with them. Be kind with them. Try to teach them and educate them on what God says to do uh, to, go to, to go to heaven. Jesus said to love everyone. Jesus loved everyone. You know what he did to that Samaritan woman in John 4? Mm, nobody else wouldn't want anything to do with a Samaritan. Jesus did. And we could go on and on. Hate those. Allah says... Hate those who don't accept Islam. And that's Surrey 30, 45. 
right opposite what our Lord said. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Jihad, if I had time this week, we could have got into Sharia law. We could have got more into jihad and some other things. There are some judges in some places uh, in Florida. They were trying to rule by using jihad and because two Muslims were having a disagreement over um, some land, uh, they couldn't settle it by the Constitution of the United States of America, by our laws. So they said, you just handle it by Sharia law. How long is that going to be before a murder case comes along? You see, jihad in the way of Allah elevates one's position in paradise by a hundredfold. In this mixed company, and I can't tell you what they believe about paradise and what they're going to have when they get to paradise. I believe there's going to be some surprised people. When they think they're going to paradise, I'm afraid it's not going to be paradise. Luke 16 is probably going to be torment. I hope they change. I hope they learn the truth. Jesus is called both prophet, priest, king of kings. I had, a, and I've got a ton of scriptures up there to prove that. Brethren, there is no doubt about it. Every Muslim one day will stand on this earth when Jesus comes again, or will stand again before Jesus and will say that Jesus is King of kings, Lord of lords. Every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess. I don't know if it's going to be on the earth, but they're going to do it. It'll be too late. Mohammed is called an apostle. Look at this lady's face. If I were, and when I usually do this three or four days in a seminar, I have a ton of those kind of pictures. But I want you to look at this. A Muslim in Somalia sees two Christians, a mother of two daughters and her cousin, after calling the entire village together, they beheaded them in cold blood. The Muslims were so absent of shame that they even had the woman's two daughters, ages 8 and 15, watch their mother get beheaded. Alarming, isn't it? All done in the name of uh, jihad, all doing, trying to execute uh, and implement their religion, it's supposed to be a peaceful religion, upon innocent people. Oh, my friends, what a shame. You know, if Jesus is who the Bible says he is, and Islam and the Koran then would have to be false, would they not? If Jesus is the Christ, if he's the king, if he is the God upon this earth, not the Father, but God, when he came to this earth, then my friends, everything about uh, Islam is nothing more than blasphemous. Just blaspheming God is what it is. There is no possible reconciliation to man's total allegiance to Jesus Christ as God, Lord and Savior. There is no possible reconciliation. I saw a man one day at the mall, and he had a bumper sticker that said that coexist. And I asked my wife, I said, I think I know what that means. I had to ask him. I said, what does that mean, uh, coexist? And he said, well, literally that means that we... Even though we've got different, he said, I don't know what you are or who you are, but he said, you know, we all got different values, different principles, and he said, uh, it doesn't matter what we are religiously or if we don't even have any religious religion at all. If we're atheists or agnostic, it doesn't matter. He said, we're just going to coexist together. He said, that's just all be just like thrown in. He's, his illustration was just like all the peas thrown into a pod together. Hmm. I said, have you ever studied about Islam? No, not really. He said, you wouldn't, I said, you wouldn't want to be in a pee in a pod with the Islam. 
Because first of all, you wouldn't be a Muslim, and they, I don't guess you are, and if, you, uh, if you're not, they'd want to kill you. He said, are you one? I said, no, I just, I'm just trying to prove your point wrong. This idea of, of existing together is absolutely not right. Jesus said unto him, I am the way. Notice the definite article of the. Not a way, not some way, not many ways. I am the way. Friends, the only way you can get to the Father is through Jesus Christ. I am the way, the truth, the life. No man can come to the Father but by me. Jesus is the final messenger or prophet of God. Mohammed is false. A false teacher, false prophet. There's nothing true about him. And the Koran is absolutely false. There was a fellow with me on that plane. It wasn't John Mayberry, but another fellow with me. And I told that uh, Muslim, I shook hands with him. And I said, uh, sir, I said, I want you to know that the Koran is false. I want you to know that Mohammed was absolutely false. He doesn't even come in comparison to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He said, I cannot talk to you anymore. He thought I was blaspheming him, blaspheming the religion. And the fact of it is, I, I said, I've got some books I can send you. I've got some material that I can send you. I can send you all kinds of information about the Bible and what the Bible says about the Christ, the Son of God. He said, you've got that wrong. He said, you're on me 18 talking about Mohammed. Friends, Jesus' office, if we had time tonight, and I don't, but we could... God made a promise to David in 2 Samuel 7, verses 13 and 14, that an, and this king would be born in Bethlehem, little old lowly Bethlehem, Matthew 5 and verse 2. And when you go to Matthew chapter 2, verse 6, Bethlehem. Jesus was born in Bethlehem. You know what really helps me about the Bible? One of the best studies I ever did when I was in school was to prove in the Old Testament the prophecies that were fulfilled in the New Testament. You're talking about building your faith? And just for, as a side note, so many things that we've invented hundreds and hundreds and are, we found out hundreds and hundreds of years later, God already revealed it a long time ago. We were just so ignorant and unlearned we didn't know where to find it at. Paths in the sea? It wasn't, man, it's amazing to me. It wasn't but maybe 200 years ago or that we figured out there's paths in the sea. The psalmist already said there's paths in the sea. You know why they circumcised their boys on the eighth day? Oh. You know what doctors tell us today? That is the best time in a child's life on the eighth day that they won't bleed to death. Chances of bleeding. Vitamin K. I mean, it goes on and on and on. But why? Because Jesus is the king. He was a the redeemer. What he said in the Old Testament through the Holy Spirit, the Godhead, it was happened absolutely fulfilled right to the minute point. There's not a mistake whatsoever. You go through that book and there's all kinds of mistakes. Mohammed told lie after lie after lie. When you open the Bible and you look at the Christ, the Son of God, He knew no sin. He is King of kings. He's Lord of lords. Christ versus Islam. I want to just look briefly at this. They reject the very idea of who God is. And I said last night in Titus 1-2, Hebrews 6-18, that uh, God can't lie. It's impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we can be called the children of God through that promised seed, the Christ that would come through the lineage 
of David, Abraham, Isaac. We can prove that. For we're all children of God by faith in Jesus Christ. Galatians 3.26. Not through Mohammed. You don't even find Mohammed mentioned by name in this book, the Bible. If that was going to be such an important part of God's plan to redeem man, surely to goodness he would have alluded to him. The only time I can find that he ever alluded to him, not by name, but by principle. False prophets. False religions. And we're being bombarded uh, with it. Jesus Christ is not a historical figure. Not just a social cause. Not just a story to be told. He's the Savior of the world. Men are, are being drawn to Mohammed as he is presented as a Savior. But my friends, he hasn't accomplished anything that Christ accomplished. As a matter of fact, he's being presented as a Savior. The last thing that man said to me on the airplane and that fellow that was with me said, we're going to get to Jordan and Israel and he'll blow us up. And... Uh, I said, no, he will not recognize me. I had a hat on. You can't recognize me when I got a hat off. And uh, you know what he said? You keep on serving your Jesus, and I'll serve the great prophet Muhammad, and I will remind you one day that you were wrong. Friends, it's so sad to me. I want to emphasize these four uh, things about Jesus. The deity of Jesus, the humanity of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, and the sinlessness of Christ. That's the reason he's so much greater than Muhammad. The deity of Jesus. God in the flesh. The humanity of Jesus. You want to know how Jesus, uh, how God would act? Look how Jesus acted. The blood sacrifice of Christ. Ephesians 1, 7. In whom we have redemption, even the forgiveness of our sins, through his blood, according to the riches of his grace. The sinlessness of Christ. Friends, I'm not ashamed tonight, and I don't think you are either, to know that our Lord, our Lord, was the Lord God Almighty, willing to die for you, without a doubt. For you. That's what he went through, for you. It's all about Jesus. Our lives, it's all about Jesus, is it not? All about Jesus. The only way you can get to heaven is Jesus. It wasn't too many years ago that Rutherford, Judge Rutherford came on the scene. Eddie came on the scene. It wasn't too many years ago that Joseph Smith came on the scene. It wasn't too many years ago that John Smith in Holland established the Baptist church and you just keep on in all these religious leaders. They come, they go. Jesus, my friends, he came, he left, but he went back to the Father, and he wants every one of us to be saved and go to heaven. If we could just fathom, if there's some way that we could just imagine our Lord being here today, right now, with, what would he tell us? I was in a lectureship one time with Perry Cotham. He was about 90 years old, and I said, Brother Cotham, I said, what do you think Jesus would say to us? We were in a motel in Livonia, Georgia, uh, Livonia, Livonia Michigan, and a comfort inn, and I, I just wanted to spend some time with him. He's 90 years old, great warrior of the cross. I said, Brother Cotham, I said, what do you think uh, Jesus would say to us today if he could speak to us? 
And he had his old uh, little Bible there, and he opened it up, and I came to seek and to save that which is lost. He who knew no sin became sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God. I believe that's exactly what Jesus would say, and he's right. Friends, our Lord died for us to conquer sin and Satan in our lives. The only way we can do it is through Jesus. We've got clothes. We've got water in readiness. I said that in Alabama and looked over there and they had a lawn mower and a garden hose. We don't have a garden hose, do we, brother? We're ready. We'll help you. We'll assist you in becoming a New Testament Christian. You can't get to heaven on your own. You can't get to heaven in man-made religion. doesn't matter the brand, the name. But you can open up this book with an innocent, open, loving heart. Obey exactly what it says. And know you're right. That's what I'm proud of tonight. I can know I'm right. Does that mean you're arrogant? No, 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 no. Does that mean I'm judgmental and I hate everybody else and I'm glad everybody else is going to hell? No, 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 no. Not at all. Does that mean I'm narrow-minded and i got blinders on? No. That means that I just want to please my Father just like you do. I want to go to heaven just like you do. And to do it, you've got to commit your life to Him. Somebody says, well, all you folks about money. Forget about money. Forget about the talents. Forget about the abilities. Forget about everything. You know all He wants? He wants you. Because once you give yourself to Him, He gets everything else. Willingly submit to Him. If you're not a Christian tonight, would you repent of your sins, confess that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, be baptized for the forgiveness of those sins, and walk a faithful Christian life, keeping your eyes focused on the Christ. One day you can go to heaven. Revelation 14 verse 30 says, Oh, it's going to be a place that's far better. It's much better. It's a place where you can rest from your labors, and your works will follow you. May God help us to be committed to Him. Maybe tonight you're not a Christian. Do you have the courage to come while together we stand as we sing together?